You're listening to Radio Influence. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of City Ringside. My name is David Penzer, and as always, we are so happy to have you here to listen to this thing we call a podcast. So, uh, just curious, uh, anything happened in the last week? Any any major news in, prof- uh, in professional wrestling? I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it was a pretty slow news week. I kid, I kid. Uh, so, the big news, of course, obviously a few days ago was... Um, I told you WWE was going to make a move when their backs were against the wall. We talked about it with Disco, and I my idea was that they were going to go to a organic uh, type of booking where they would listen to the fans, and they still may do that. But I knew that Vince McMahon does not lose, and Vince McMahon will change with the times only when he has to. He likes his comfort zone, but when he gets pushed out of that comfort zone and he has to, he will go in a different direction. I knew it was only a matter of time. I didn't think it was going to be this soon. And of course, I'm referring to the announcement of Paul Heyman uh, taking over Raw and Eric Bischoff taking over SmackDown. Now, here's my take on it. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, that we've discussed it already, and you could uh, always uh, follow me at David Penzer, all one word, D A V I D P E N Z E R. We had fun on Twitter this week talking about this. And, uh, also, getting questions from my guest this week, who's Barry Horowitz, who we're going to talk to in just a little bit and uh, and, and ask a lot of your uh, questions that you sent in. But getting back to Bischoff and Paul Heyman, if I was a betting man, although, again, no inside information, uh, I would say that while they were both touted as sort of the same position and called the same thing, uh, I would bet, and I could be wrong, that Eric, that Paul is more Paul Heyman is more of a creative decision where he will be literally uh, in charge of creative uh, for raw. And I think that the Eric Bischoff hiring, while he may be in charge of creative at the very end and or he may have a say in it, uh, knowing what I do about Eric and his uh, his his wheelhouse of uh, dealing with television executives uh especially on a pro wrestling level, I believe that that was more of a higher, not about creative, because Eric's the first one to say that while he had a lot of broad ideas that were very creative, especially at the beginning of Monday Nitro, uh, you know, he was not a the creative, uh, you know, the, 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 the person that, you know, the booker, so to speak. He came up with the broad ideas and had a Kevin Sullivan or a Kevin Nash or a Hulk Hogan uh Find or Jimmy Hart fine tune those ideas uh, and 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 put them down on paper. So my guess is that that with Fox coming on board and uh, they wanted somebody who knew the 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 lingo of television executives, who knew how to schmooze the television executives, and who had a direct line to Vince McMahon. He did a similar uh, job uh, for TNA uh, with Spike TV and Spike TV probably lasted kept TNA on long I and I'm guessing on this too but probably kept TNA on longer than they would have if Eric was not there to be the go between so uh that's my opinion on on those two things but I think they'll both be huge influences now it's not lost on me that uh and it's kind of ironic that the three 
uh, major players in the world of 1990s professional wrestling are now all working for the same common cause. Eric Bischoff from WCW, of course, Paul Heyman from ECW, Vince McMahon, uh, WWF slash E. So um, we'll see how this goes. Uh, I, I have high hopes for uh, for Raw with Paul Heyman. And he's always been, he's always had his, 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 uh, he's always been able to tap what the people want, what the fans want and to give it to them, uh, while presenting an enjoyable and fun product. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does with Monday night raw, uh, definitely did need a change. And as I, we talked to with disco as well, uh, Glenn, uh, uh, three hours is way too long. And he's not going to be able to change that, so he's going to have to become ultra creative as well. And it'll be fun to see SmackDown with my old boss, Eric Bischoff. And again, while I think it's more of a liaison to the network when it goes to Fox, uh, he will obviously have uh, power and new ideas and fresh ideas. And maybe that's what's needed for the entire uh, company. It never hurts to have fresh ideas. I remember that when I was in WCW before they hired Eric, they always talked about uh, doing uh, seasons with a booker because bookers would eventually run out of good ideas. So they would, they always talked about having like dusty roads. This is in the early nineties, do six months. Then he would go get a, be a uh, paid uh, to sit home for six months and they'd bring Ole Anderson in or Kevin Sullivan in. And then they'd go back to dusty roads in six months. And that way you don't have to week after week, after week, after week, come up with fresh ideas and fresh, uh, and fresh matchups and fresh feuds. And they talked about that. They never did it, but it always sounded like the right thing to me. And, um, and, and it sounded like an idea that never got its due justice. But, um, but so I, I wish them nothing but the best as I wish, uh, all elite wrestling, nothing but the best. Uh, we're obviously, we're coming off a of fighter fest, but this is being taped before that event. So I'm going to try to catch that event. We'll talk about it next week, but I'm sure it'll be a first class operation. Those guys do a great job. And, um, and so, Hey, one thing I want to remind you is if you like city ringside, be sure to check out our archives. I was looking at our archives the other day and it's like a, and I'm not trying to brag, but it's like a, a who's who of, uh, the wrestling business, especially my friends in WCW and, uh, different organizations that I work for. So be sure to check that out. I had a God bless him. I had a pilot for Spirit Airlines tell me that he found my podcast and he binge listened to all the 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 um, the prior episodes over a period of a couple of months and uh, actually told me if I ever needed a last minute plane ticket on Spirit Airlines to contact him and he would hook me up. So I appreciate that. And uh, I might take you up on that one day, my friend. But uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for finding us. And um, if you are new to the podcast, check out the archives because there's a lot of good stuff on there. And I know there's only so much time in a day, but uh, pick out your favorite wrestlers and ha- give it a listen. Also, be sure to subscribe if you haven't already and be sure to leave us a rating if you can. I, I was uh, I was looking around this past week on iTunes and we have a Jerry. I don't even know if you know this. We have four point nine out of five stars on iTunes. So that's, that's about as humbling as anything I've ever done in this business. The fact that we have a four point nine rating out of five stars on iTunes for this podcast is to me as humbling as, 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 as being the ring announcer from Nitro and the Monday night wars or anything else I've ever done. So thank you very much. And if you like what you see, what you hear, spread the word. And without further ado, uh, 
Let me bring in my guest this week. Uh, son of a bitch has heat with me, and well, I'll, I'm going to tease him about it at the beginning because uh, uh, I'm not I'm not kidding. The guy I saw the guy for the first time in 20 years, and he looks younger than he did 20 years ago. Uh, and meanwhile, I I don't. So uh, so please welcome my old friend, one of the good guys in the pro wrestling business, and one of the guys who always worked hard and uh, was able to make a great living, but maybe not uh, hold a million t- championships. He showed you it was more about uh, consistency than uh, being on the top of the card, and that is Barry Horowitz. Ladies and gentlemen, this week I'm excited to have on City Ringside uh, one of the good guys in professional wrestling. Uh, if you know him or if you ever met him, you would know that he's one of the good guys. Got to catch up with him at the CWF Legends Fan Fest last weekend, uh, which I co-presented. And uh, it was great to catch up. The only problem is, I've already told you this, Barry Horowitz, by the way. Welcome, Barry. Uh, you, already, you, have, you have huge heat with me because you look better than you did 20 freaking years ago. <laughs> and, you're too kind. And you're let's too just kind. let's just say I don't. <laughs> so, so do we label this podcast? I was asking my producer before. Do we label this podcast a Jew and a Jew or Jew squared? Uh, Jew square. Jew squared. I love it. Or proudly t- presented by Mister Technical Barry Horowitz, the new and improved. There you go. There you go. You look great, buddy. Glad to see you. Thanks. uh, It's a pleasure to be on your show. Oh, pleasure to have you, man, for sure. So I am assuming, just because I know how much you're into the, uh, you love the business, that you grew up as a pro wrestling fan. Am I, is that a correct assumption? That's an exact correct assumption. So were you a championship wrestling from Florida fan? Did you grow up in Florida? I know that's where you trained. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I grew up in Florida and caught the fever probably when I was, I don't know, between 13 and 14. Uh, saw Thunderbolt Patterson against Mr. Mister Clean on Florida Championship Wrestling with Gordon Soley, and I was hooked for life. And uh, th- that would have been what, like 74? Um, You know, that's a good, uh, something like that, yeah, give I, or take, yeah. I got hooked in 77. I turned it on, I was 11 years old. And it was uh, uh-huh. superstar Billy Graham, Steve Strong, and Ox Baker beating down Dusty Rhodes. I'll never forget it. And uh, oh my God! And I was at, um, I was at the Fort Lauderdale National Guard Armory that Friday night, and uh, never looked back. But uh, so, so, are you originally from Florida? Yeah, I grew up in South Florida. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure about that. By the way, real quick, that Fan Fest uh, Legends of Champ. Championship Wrestling of Florida last week was phenomenal and awesome and a great turnout. And I'm glad all the fans came out and had a good time. Yeah, we had Ricky Steamboat, Larry Zabisco, Bob Orton Jr., Bob Roop. First time Bob Orton Jr. and Bob Roop have seen each other in a while. And uh, and it was really cathartic, I think, for both of them. They were a top team in a couple of territories, uh, including Florida, back in the mid-70s. So, uh, so that was fun. Probably the... Probably the best heel team Florida produced, that and uh, Orton Jr. and Dick Slater. Yeah, yeah, and you missed it, Barry. At the uh, we had a, a evening event with them where they took questions and told stories, and uh, oh, cool! They were talking about what made their team go, and uh, and mm-hmm. and Brew pretty much put all the put all the uh, the accolades on Bob Orton. 
So uh, as wow. far as as far as, but they said they would ride down the road and they would consider every possible outcome to what the match was going to be that night and how they could get heat coming out of any possible outcome. So when they got the finish given to them, uh, that they already had planned how they could, you know, put the guy over or uh, do a draw or whatever, but keep their heat. So see, see, once again, that's smart thinking and old school, but. Once again, my favorite line, they got the match over. Not each other, not the ref, not their opponents. Get the match over, folks. Well, and that's what they said. They said there's a fine line yep. between keeping your heat after you get lose a match and, 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 exactly. and putting the guy over and then getting your heat back. And sure, you know, so that's, and yep. again, I'm not a wrestler, but I, I've, I've, I've grown up uh, around the business and I've been around the business my whole life. Hey, um, so you... By the way, just to mention the Fan Fest, we have another one coming up, and we just put tickets on sale, and it's the best uh, uh, first 72-hour ticket sales we've ever had. So if anybody's wow. interested, it's um, uh, Saturday, November 9th here in uh, North Tampa, Florida, and uh, CWF Legends Fad Fest. You can find it on Eventbrite. Uh, we already have confirmed Barry Windham will be returning to Tampa. Uh, Rocky Johnson will be doing a... Uh, 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 extended 90 minute Q and a and, uh, JJ Dillon will be here. And along with, uh, uh, Dutch Mantel, who will be doing his one man show for the evening event called, <laughs> called story time with Dutch. And, uh, and, uh, I've read reviews of that show. It's supposed to be fantastic. And then, uh, so if you buy an ultra ticket, which is the highest price ticket, you get a day full of this. You get to, to 90 minutes of a Q and a with Rocky Johnson with you and 35 of your closest friends, a, uh, a fan fest experience where you get to hang out with, uh, all the greats. You get a, uh, catered dinner with, uh, uh, with a Q&A, two-hour Q&A with Barry Windham and J.J. Dillon. And then you finish off the evening with uh, the showtime with uh, story time with Dutch Mantel, and he'll do a Q&A at the end as well. And all that for less than $200, which isn't cheap, but everybody that has purchased our ultra ticket, as we call it, says it's worth the uh, the price. Also, Tony Gurria has signed uh, uh, his first Florida Fan Fest. So um, you never know. We might see Barry Horowitz back. It was great to see you. Um, that would be cool. That would be very mm -hmm. cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll have to figure some out. We got a, we got a while, though. Um, mm -hmm. So you train with the great Malenko. Was there really any other – growing up in Florida and, and around the Tampa mm -hmm. area, was there really any other – uh, thought process, or was it always going to be him? You know, that's a great question. Um, what happened was uh, I was trying to get in profession. Back then, I mean, they discouraged you. They try to stretch you or, you know, make you do a 5,000 squats in two minutes so you'd throw up and sure. what have you. And, you know, so uh, basically I had a friend of a friend that was a businessman, and this businessman – uh, is a multimillionaire and he owned various businesses around uh, my hometown area of St. Pete. And he's got a lot of connections and he knows a lot of people besides for what he does. He knows other people because of his, it's his following. And he actually knew Malenko and he got me basically like an interview. Almost. I, I went down there and introduced myself to him and uh, told him what I wanted and so forth. And that was it. I was, uh, I signed up to his, um, school. 
Malenko School of Wrestling, which actually originated in Ed Malley's Judo School. Uh, I forgot where this place was, but he's a judo champion to this day. I think he's in his 80s, and the man is phenomenal. And we were just in a room, uh, God, uh, about the size of an elementary classroom, I guess, maybe a little bit bigger, and very hot and just one-inch mats, taking backdrops and suplexes from Jody Malenko and getting talked by Shelly and, and, of course, the great Boris Malenko. And it progressed to a mattress factory called the Florida Mattress Factory. And that had two rings in it, and it was huge. It was about 100 degrees in the summer and about 40 in the winter. And I was there three, four times a week for three hours at a pop for a good year and a half. And who was in your, who else, anybody else would recognize that was in your class? Well, the only ones that, that, there was guys, but they dropped off and never really made it. The only, in my, you know, that I know of, the only one that really made it from that class was myself and Al Perez. Oh, isn't that ironic? Because that's who you were signing autographs with the other weekend. Sure was, yeah, yep. Yeah, so that was crazy. So tell me about Larry Malenko. He was very instrumental in in getting my f- original toe in the door of the business uh, with the Global Wrestling Alliance down in South Florida. I know people like mm-hmm. uh, you know Bob Cook and 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 you and and everybody that Sean Waltman raves about uh, him mm-hmm. as a trainer as a human being. Just tell me a little oh, bit yeah. about what sets him what set him apart from the others. You know the other trainers. The well, other he wrestlers. was very. Yeah, he was very, you know, he expected, you know, he wants you to be on time. He wants you to train hard, no back talking. Just listen to what he says. He was slow, methodical, and he te- he taught A to Z. It wasn't just about let's do promos now and stuff. That was not even entered on his schedule. I mean, it was all about presenting yourself as a pro, getting in the ring, learning how to circle a ring, learning how to lock up, learning how to grab a headlock. I mean, that right there, I said that in about five seconds, probably took us months. Not because we're slow learners, because he wanted it done to perfection. Yeah, the craft. It's a, it's a craft, exactly. and he wanted the you craft. to master, Got it. master the craft. He, um, when I first started down in Global, and I would go into, and it was a very similar way that we hooked up to a professional who was a friend of my dad's, and uh, they just said, come on down to the Global Wrestling Alliance, and their offices were in Davie, and Larry just kind of, he doesn't, it was, uh, Rusty Brooks was the main teacher, but Larry kind of held court in his office, and uh, for some reason, God knows why, maybe because I was Jewish, I don't know, he took a liking towards me, and he mm-hmm. would actually t- sit there and for an hour or two at a time and tell me mm-hmm. different ways if I ever was able to ring announce because it was clear that this five foot six non-athletic guy was not going to be a wrestler, was not going to be a referee. And the only redeeming quality he had in the pro wrestling business is he could talk on a microphone. So mm-hmm. so he, he would sit and actually tell me psychology of being a ring announcer. That's how much of a master of the craft he was. Yeah. I mean, I, sure. I, I can't think of very many other people who back in the late 80s mm-hmm. would sit there with a, a kid who there's no mm-hmm. chance he's ever going to be a, a, a wrestler. No chance the guy's probably ever going to make a dime off of me or be able to brag about me and, 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 mm-hmm. and teach me psychology about being a ring announcer. You know, there's not enough money in the world for the lesson that I learned in that. So right. I, I, just think, I totally agree. So I thought when you I thought your first uh, your first sort of uh, after leaving the Malenko camp, I thought your first sort of territory was when you came to championship wrestling from Florida 
as Jack Hart, mm-hmm. which I remember as a fan. Mm-hmm. But the timeline, if you believe uh, the Internet, which I don't. So this is why I'm asking mm-hmm. you about it. Doesn't add up. Did you go to other territories, uh, indie, maybe mm-hmm. on the outlaw circuit? Uh, and, and if mm-hmm. so, uh, how long between you were done training and you started at championship wrestling for Florida? And where'd you go? Well, first of all, I was I um, we trained for about a year and a half, and I did some little outlaw shows for for Malenko, you know, spot shows here and there. Yeah. Sunbelt wrestling, sure. Where's the first time for I first time I met um, Austin Idol and uh, Jimmy Boogie Woogie Man Valiant Chief J Strongbow. At the time, I think he was using his real name Joe Scarpa, and. That's where I went from there. And then finally, it was time for me to graduate, to go on the road and get polished. And that means, you know, get in that rental car, get on a plane, wrestle every night with all different opponents, get, get into a territory. And basically, Malenko gave me a, a sheet of paper, and he had, them, he had them already made up. And it was all different, you know, uh, Carlos Colon in uh, Puerto Rico, uh, Gorilla Monsoon in the WWWF, uh, uh, Don Owens, uh, Jerry Jarrett. So I don't know what made me do this, but I got in a car and just drove drove up north. And uh, I had a few friends there, and I stayed there. And I remember this. I w- it was a phone booth, which are obsolete now. <laughs> and <laughs> about, let's see, I'm going to say it was about two blocks from the beach in Belmar, New Jersey. I called Monsoon up at his house. He answers, and here I am thinking, you know, I'm all that, and I've never been anywhere. And I, I said, uh, I've been working two years, and, oh, well, this, this, and that. And he goes, well, come on down to Allentown, PA. We film uh, every three weeks at the Ag Hall, and uh, that's Tuesday. And Wednesday we go to Hamburg Fieldhouse, and that'll be every three weeks. We'll see how you do. And that's what happened. I, I walked in there and was overwhelmed. I mean, you walk in the locker room. There's not even a locker room. There's no lockers. There's folding chairs. There's one big shower. And it's just a room full of stars. And when I mean stars, Bob Backlund, Jesse DeBody Ventura, uh, Adrian Adonis, Mr. Fuji, Mr. Saito, Pedro Morales, Superfly Snooka, uh, Bob Orton Jr., uh, Bob Sweetan. Uh, God, I mean, it was just... It just went on and on and, you know, just shook everybody's hand, Blackjack Mulligan. And, um, yeah, in, in two days, I'd probably work six or seven times. Yeah, I mean, I was, I, 21, I, years, I was 21 years old and wow. loving life. And uh, I think my first TV match was Angela Mosca Sr. Second was Don Morocco. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so. I've been in that building. There's literally no dressing room in that building. Uh, no. Uh-uh. Like, you know where they, you know where they used to have like the Piper's pit set? Yes. Yeah, and you'll know this better than I do, but uh, just to tell the fans, like the dressing room area was behind where the Piper's pit set was. Just pull up a chair yeah. and pull up a chair and open up your bag and get dressed. Uh, yep, exactly. When I finally saw it, I was a little dis. I went up and did a a Nasty Boys reunion thing with Hulk Hogan and uh, Hulk Hogan and friends uh-huh. up there a couple years mm-hmm. ago, and mm-hmm. it was a little mm-hmm. disappointing because you watch it on TV as a fan, and yeah. you know it doesn't look yeah. like Madison Square Garden, but it doesn't look like a a dump either, no. and it kind of was a dump. All nothing personal, but yep. So you no. stayed doing that for how long? I did that for about a year, and then. Um, I finally went up to Vince Sr. 
And it was hard to talk to him. He's busy and whatnot. And I got a moment of his time, maybe five minutes. And I just, um, I had to do it a couple times, but I, I need to go somewhere. And he finally set up something through Jimmy Superfly Snook. I was supposed to go to Portland for Don Owens, but the territory was full. So I went to uh, Crockett Promotions. Jimmy Crockett owned it with his brothers, Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And that's what got me polished two years on the road, maybe one day a month uh, we went to Canada, but I'm in the car five, six nights a week with Rufus R. Jones, Jimmy Valiant, Sonny Fargo, Tommy Young, travel with Steamboat and Rotundo, uh, um, Jay Youngblood, Mark Youngblood. That was my main guys uh, driving with, and I was probably first or second match, and rules are when you're done, take a quick shower and watch every match to the very end. Absolutely. I had nothing going. I wanted to. I, I wanted to soak it up like a sponge. I'm watching film. I'm watching match after match. I go back to my room, and you could watch um, get Georgia Championship Wrestling, Florida Championship Wrestling, World Class in Texas. I'm watching everything I can and listening to guys. I'm in the back seat, you know, listening to maybe one time uh, Bob Backlund and Greg Valentine were driving together, and I got to drive with them. I just listened to what they said. And uh, Sergeant Slaughter, Don Kernodal. Steamboat, just listen to everything. You know, nothing was, you know, you'd rib here and there, the, the new guy, but nothing deadly or nothing. The bottom line was is to learn and, and that watching and ask questions. Ric Flair was there. I mean, the list goes on and on. Everybody who was anybody in pro wrestling was there. And what was your wrestling name in WWF when you <laughs> wrestled there and in, in, uh, in uh, Crockett's? I started as Barry Hart. Malenko gave me that name. And I wrestled as Barry Hart. And when I got to the Carolinas, my first TV was at a TV studio. Again, a legit TV studio, right. like Channel 4 or something. They could fit 50 people in there, nice little ring. You're in a, a little room. And if I'm not mistaken... Um, it was Michael P.S. Hayes who changed my name. He goes, listen, uh, your name is Barry Hart, and you're a baby face. And we got Gary Hart here. He's the ultimate t heel manager. Back then, they didn't want confusion. Now it don't matter. And he says, that's not going to mix. We're going to call you Bret Hart. And I said, okay, I don't care. I mean, this is my first territory. I'm getting paid. Who cares what you are? You know, you could name me whatever you want. I really didn't know there was another Bret Hart. <laughs> Do you think that was a rib up by Michael Hayes? You know. I don't know, and I don't care. <laughs> I don't know, and I don't care. When so, did you When did you find out there was a Bret Hart, and was it? Did you guys ever talk about it? Yeah, I found out. It was funny. Um, I went to. We used to go about once a month, and I remember being on a plane with Johnny Weaver and Mike Rotundo and traveling with them. Maple Leaf Gardens, and I wrestled Leo. Oh God, he's a big. Uh, I think he was he was a big star in Canada, and I forgot his last name. Uh, he's good friends with Burke. Brent. And, Leo but, Burke. What's that? Leo Le Burke. Leo Burke. Thank you very much. And people are coming up to me like Leo Burke and, and Sweet Daddy Sika. I remember that guy especially. And, hey, and maybe they didn't recognize me. Maybe they thought I looked like Brent. I don't know what. This guy comes up to me and goes, hey, how's your dad doing? And you doing okay? And your brothers? And I, I'm just, you know, I'm a little nervous and stuff. So I just agreed with him. I said, doing great, doing this, doing that. I didn't know if it was a joke. I didn't know what was going on. And then um, uh, uh, what happened? I was uh, trying to go by the times here. 
how well eventually of course when i went to the wwf and i meet brett and i had to tell him the story dude wouldn't talk to me for a year oh he was hot Oh, he's well. He's not hot at me. He Brett is just you know you know some Canadians have that uh, personality. It's just dry and so forth. And that's fine. I, I can respect that. And and he wasn't mean or nothing, but I could feel you know I, the the tension or whatever. And then I think he realized you know this was a rib. It was a mistake. Maybe he's ribbing me. He realized that I'm not just some goof that I could wrestle. And I think he liked my style, of course. And I think his dad did. I know his brother did. They respected me. And I felt. Felt it. I felt it working with them. I felt it through uh, conversation and verbiage, and um, yeah, and it was broken. Then, then there was no. Uh, it was the end of it. That was the end of it. And then once in a while, you'd hear it every now and then, but nothing that mattered. Before I started doing the prep for this show, I'd have sworn. Yeah. I'd have uh-huh. sworn if somebody had put a gun to my head. That, and I and I had no idea. I just assumed this that you came right from Malenko's to uh, Championship Wrestling from Florida as Jack Hart. How how did how did that end up happening? I'm assuming you came from the Carolinas to right. What happened was I was there about a year and a half. No, excuse me, I was there two years. And they were finishing up. Dusty Rhodes came in. He was the head booker. And I wasn't in his group. You know, his group was Barry Windham, Mike Rotundo, so forth. He didn't know me that well. And um, he was trying to get me booked in Florida. But what's ironic is that Steve Romero, a.k.a. Uh, um, Jay Youngblood, makes one phone call to Dutch Mantell, the head booker, and they bring me in right away. Uh, I come in there. I come into the office. Now the name change again. And let me think who said that. I think it was, don't hold me to this, it was between Dutch. Michael Hayes was there again, but I think it was between Dutch and Mike Graham that said, we're going to call you Jack Hart. I said, okay, and you're, and you're going to be a heel. And I, and I love that. So that's how Jack Hart got invented. As far as Stretcher Jack Hart or Jack the Stretcher Hart, that was my own idea. I just, I, they told me to cut a promo on Pez Watley on uh, live TV. And I did that on purpose and it stuck and the boys liked it. Mike liked it. Everybody liked it. So it was awesome. Whose idea was, I'm I'm thinking Dutch now that I I hear the story, but whose idea was Mm -hmm. to lose it? For those who don't know who weren't there, Mm -hmm. you went on a, Mm -hmm. uh, a reverse Goldberg, I'd say. Uh, yeah, when yeah. I, and you could tell it was going to end. I mean, I could tell. I don't know, but I, I mean, yeah. it was pretty obvious it was going to end with you like winning a title or something. But you went on a uh, it was a, a a pushed losing streak for what? I don't right. know how many matches. Seventy, eighty, ninety. I don't know. Over a hundred. So, and whose idea was that? Was that a Dutch Mantel idea? You know that that was Dutch, and I have to thank him too. I mean, I have already, but. Dutch, I mean, I've had matches with Dutch. It was his idea. He treated me very respectful. Then I traveled with him in in Tennessee uh, for uh, independent shows. Then I knew him in the WWF. And uh, actually, Dutch and I were traveling the night they pushed me. Uh, where was it? It was somewhere Pennsylvania or New Jersey where I got my first win over uh, Skip uh, Chris Candido. Sure. I mean, on Super superstars the first actual win we were traveling together and so i owe a lot to dutch i like his ideas he he's i like traveling with dutch he's funny as hell he's got great stories and he loves loves country music i love country music so we get along there you go but uh and and was the plan i'm assuming the plan was always for you to win the florida title as as your first win no no 
No, what not at all. It, what, what, what was going on was that those two titles were vacated. Two weeks before, the Southern title got won by uh, Rick Rude in Orlando, the Eddie Graham Sports Complex. Right. Two weeks later... I defeat Mike Graham in his hometown in the main event at the Spartan Sports Center, which they used at at the University of Tampa because the armory was active. So they had to switch venues. And I didn't know it till that night. Wow. Yeah, it was cool, too. So a lot got- of heat that night. A lot of heat. <laughs> no, the- I mean, a lot of heat. The the fans went mental. They didn't expect that. No. And no. plus, it was a, it was a screw finish. And Mike Graham has been there forever, and they couldn't believe that. So. And you went on, and you went, you were managed, if I remember correctly, by a, a young Percy Pringle who went on to be Paul Bearer. How was that? Yep. Sure. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I learned from Percy uh, interviews. My interviews got stepped up from myself. Percy and Gordon Soley. So that helped a lot. Sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. What was the reason you left Florida? Okay. So Florida championship wrestling, I was there like a year or two did did about everything with me and it was time to move on. So I gave, I, I, I forgot how that came about why I called Jerry Jarrett, but I called Jerry Jarrett in uh, Tennessee and he says, uh, could you come up in a week? And that's what I did. Packed up and moved up there. Stayed in Nashville for 10 years. Only stayed in the territory less than a year because I get a phone call from Pat Patterson. Hey, we'd like you to come back. Um, you're not going to be the Southern Tag Team Champions, you and Chick Donovan, but you'll make more in one match than you do all week there. And that was the truth. So I, I open questions as I normally do up for uh – for uh, mm-hmm. people who follow me on Twitter. And mm-hmm. there was a question about your time in Memphis. Teaming with Chick yeah. Donovan, I didn't realize that. And it, uh, yeah. this is, uh, oh, this is the, the guy who does the artwork for uh, for, for our, our fan fest uh, at Memphis Wrestling 1. Uh, he wanted to know about, uh, did you yep. meet Chick Donovan's talking dog? I have no idea what that means, but... <laughs> oh, my God. Chick Donovan, first of all, he was he was basically a wannabe Ric Flair. He's a good guy sure. though. I think he's from Georgia. He's he he looks good. His talent is good. He's a good wrestler. He's been around a long time. Sure. And he would tell me this and he was sincere. I looked in his eyes. I mean, we never had, you know, he was easy to travel with and and stuff some of the stuff was out there a little bit, but yeah, something about a talking dog. No no, I never met the dog, but I just heard numerous stories and um <laughs> That was about it, and I haven't seen Chick in a long well, I time. Got, I don't. I got a story for that in a minute, but I, I do want to hit on. Uh, apparently, you were there during the Idol uh, Austin Idol Tommy Rich versus Jerry Lawler feud, which was pretty much like the last hot drawing feud in uh, yep. in Memphis. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, was were, were were the did was your pay better because of the houses were better, or they just paid you the same thing, and the main event guys took the the pay? You mean on okay. When 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 the when the crowd started getting hot for that feud, oh no! I think it was. It may have been a little bit better, but nothing nothing to talk about. You know, no nothing. You know, no nothing major. Yeah, I've heard it's I wasn't the best paying territory in the world, but at the end of the day, maybe maybe not when you were there, but going into the nineties, it was like the last mm-hmm. tour territory to be able to hone your craft. So, yeah, yeah, I, I will say this now, um, 
the towns were pretty easy. There wasn't that many towns. We, you did work a lot. Um, uh, they had a lot of gimmick matches and so forth, but Jerry Jarrett, and I emphasize Jerry Jarrett treated me very well. I liked talking to him. He was a road agent for a short time stint in WWF. And I really think people like Jerry Jarrett, this is just off the top of my mind here, top of my head, Jerry Jarrett, Mike Graham, Dutch Mantel, uh, Nick Bockwinkle, Grizz Smith, uh, Chief J. Strong. These guys need to be in the back conducting business. They're, they're phenomenal, especially Mike Graham, Jerry Jarrett, and Eddie Graham as far as finish men. The best finishes in the world are from these guys, in my opinion. I mean, there's a host of others, but that's off the top of my head. But Jerry Jarrett always treated me well, and um, I respect him for that, and I like him. And it was a pleasure to work for him. So going back a little bit, you were in the Florida Territory when Eddie Graham passed, I guess, correct? I got there, I think, when I entered there, it was maybe a week after I got there or a week before I got there. No, wait a minute. No, I got there because I talked to him in Miami at the convention center, and Mike introduced me. Hey, this is uh, this is uh, Jack. This Jack Hart. Blah blah blah. He says because I mentioned to Mike, <laughs> he put it over as a rib. I remember when I graduated Dixie Hollins High School in St. Petersburg, Florida. I was on the wrestling team, and as a special thing, they brought in Jack Briscoe, Jerry Briscoe, Mike Graham, just to talk to us. Pep sure. talk the wrestling team. And when I told, so Mike goes and tells his dad, he says, yeah, I guess he thinks I'm an old man or something. He says, back in high school. And he was just joking and Eddie <laughs> laughed and, and Mike laughed. And I said, well, thanks for stooging on me, Mike. <laughs> but anyway, no, that was just all in fun and jest. And, uh, that's the last time I saw Eddie Graham. He welcomed me and, uh, I knew he would like me. I knew Mike did. And I was his type of guy. And it's a shame. It really is a shame. Some people, you know, I mean, sometimes it's their own fault or their own demons, but I don't know. I just, uh, a lot of guys in this business went too soon. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent for sure. Um, mm -hmm. so ha do you have any memories of when, uh, they told the boys that Eddie Graham had, had passed, uh, uh, you know, mm. do you have any memories of, of, of what the reaction mm. was and, and no, it was just pretty solemn pretty solemn nobody talked about it you know uh it was really kayfabe just about and just nah they just nothing no nothing and i mind my own business you know i'm yeah. new and i'm not asking all that stuff i mean this is this is this is beyond uh just a, a rib or something to talk about this is death and of the owner that's an iconic figure in this pro wrestling world still is so no uh-uh yeah, I mean, in Tampa, I could think of in Tampa, in the Tampa area, and really all of Florida, he pre he wasn't mm -hmm. just a wrestler. He was a you mm -hmm. know he was involved in 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 a lot of charities and uh, yeah, you know, Sheriff's so, Boys Ranch, Sheriff's Boys Ranch, sure. So yeah. uh, you know, this was a community. Uh, I don't want to know if I say community leader, but certainly a community person who was very involved. And uh, yeah, yeah, I remember definitely. I remember turning on the TV and hearing that news, and and I can't even imagine yeah. being in the locker room. So back to Chick mm -hmm. Donovan. So Super mm -hmm. Bowl weekend of this past year, I get a call from yeah. a promoter named Ronnie Gossett, who says, "Oh my uh, God!" It says, uh, "You want to uh, you, you want to be a ring announcer for me? I'm doing a show in Griffin, Georgia." And I said, "Griffin, Georgia." Yeah, and and I said, "Sure." So I told him my price. He said, "No problem." I said, 
but you're going to have to fly me up. And, and he said, all right. And he said it was Super Bowl weekend. So I figured there was no chance he's going to get a flight. This was like the Tuesday before Super Bowl. And uh, mm-hmm. he got me of a last che- year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got me a cheap flight okay. on Spirit Airlines. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I was like a hundred bucks each way. So he flew me up there, <laughs> and I and I, I ring announced the show, and I did a couple others for him as well. But Chick mm-hmm. Donovan was on the show. Barry, what? As good as you look at your age, yep. Chick yep. Donovan looks exactly the same as he did. Full head of hair, just as long, dyed blonde, cut up, just like he like he was his body. Holy. Same vest, same trunks. Exactly the same. This guy has not aged. He's, I googled it. I actually googled it on my cell phone while he was in the ring. He's seventy-eight uh-huh. years old. Well, wait a minute. Seventy-eight. Yes. Or maybe Holy cow. maybe it was seventy-two. Uh, but I mean, he's whatever. He's in his seventies. He's in his seventies right yeah. now. Yeah, and 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 if you saw him now, he moves slower, yeah. obviously. But you know, sure. in the ring. But if you but, were to, if you were to see him walking down, walking in a dressing room, he's the Chick Donovan yeah. that was in Memphis thirty years ago, telling you about his talking dog. I couldn't believe it. Okay, that's ironic. But you know what's more ironic is Ronnie Gossett's still around <laughs> and promoting. Because last time I heard of him, he was in Memphis as a manager. No, this is a different. I think this is a different Ronnie Gossett. I'm not sure. Okay, I think there's two this Ronnie, Ronnie Gossett. The, the original Ronnie Gossett's 400 pounds. Well, this guy's kind of heavy too. I'm not sure. I don't think it's the same Ronnie it Gossett. Maybe the same one. I don't know. I know there was a Ronnie Gossett in Memphis. I think this is a different. Yes. One. He promotes okay. uh, Universal Championship okay. Wrestling. I shouldn't even give him a plug because he stopped using me. But uh, Universal Championship Wrestling and, uh, <laughs> and the plane tickets got too expensive because here was the gimmick with Spirit Airlines. I don't know if you know this. That's like $100 each way. But the, uh, if you if you bring a carry-on, it's like $100 yeah. for the carry-on. So I sure. went up to him and I said, it's great that you got a cheap flight Super Bowl weekend, but here's here's my receipt for the carry-on. Uh, I expect you to, uh, to pay me back. And I don't know how – probably didn't go over too well, but – no, I mean, not at all. You know, I wasn't getting t- I wasn't getting huge money, so both 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 ways on the carry on was about half my salary for the entire show. So, uh, oh my god. So anyway, uh, but he's a good mm. he's a good guy, and uh, and he mm. runs up in Georgia. If you want to follow him on, just, just for the fans who are listening, if you want to follow him on Twitter, or Facebook, it's uh, I need to give him a call. What the know, heck? You do need to give him a call. Just uh, sure. Just pack a small carry on. But uh, I'll I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll text. I'll, I'll, are you still wrestling? No, no, I would come for a meet and greet or something like that. I'm not going to wrestle. Mm-hmm. You're still in fantastic shape, man. But uh, so, so you said Pat Patterson called you when you were in Memphis. Yep. Uh, yep. Any idea how he found you? What the thought process was behind oh, that? It? That's simple. That, that, that's real easy. You know how the wrestling is. Uh, how wrestling is. Uh, telephone, telegraph, telewrestler. I mean. He, they probably pay somebody to watch all the films back in the day when they're recruiting and they saw me or somebody said, Hey, you know, that Horowitz kid, he, he's in Memphis now. We'll take a look at him. Maybe, he, you know, he can get our guys over and he, he, he started with us and we'll bring him back. That's what I'm assuming. So, you know, to this day, they probably recruit that way too. They watch different things, all Japan and new Japan and other, other various organizations. And, and plus people talk too. So when you went up the first time, uh, mm-hmm. was were, were you under contract? Was uh, were you working house mm-hmm. shows, or was it just doing yep. TVs? No, it was immediate, 
immediate uh, verbal contract. I remember walking, uh, you, you had to wear, back then you had to wear a, a suit jacket, not a suit, but like a sport coat. They had rules in this, and I'll never forget, the first time I touched down, it was in Detroit. And I'm walking towards the gate, and here comes Slick, and he goes, I knew you were a wrestler, and I guess he knew me, and hey, you could ride with me, and I think it was Bundy, and um, a couple other guys went to my first TV, and it was immediate TV and house shows. Get a booking sheet for a couple of weeks. I mean, we were busy. On the road, two or three weeks, sometimes off a week, sometimes two days. Um, very busy, though. So, and then... And also, one of the only territories that did this, I don't think he does this anymore, but Double Shot Weekend. Yeah. It was pretty, co- it was pretty cool. You're, you're at a – you uh, get on a plane, and he had private planes, and you'd be on the private plane, and it's small ones too, four or five of us on a plane, and you fly into the show is at – maybe one is at 12 or 1, the next one is at 7, and then they do that. But they would only do it maybe a couple times a year, but I was on them though. And uh, it was pretty interesting. Uh, I remember traveling one time with Hogan and Ron Bass, and uh, they had uh, prepared food for us already. You know, uh, not not garbage food. It was it was quality. You know, packaged up for us, and uh, it was pretty cool. But that day went quick. I mean, you were tired too afterwards. I mean, I four times in two days, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, Tony- and I was fortunate to be on those. Tony Schiavone told me the highlight of him being in WWF back then as an announcer was he did Madison Square Garden on a Sunday after Saturday afternoon and then went on mm-hmm. a private plane and did Boston Gardens uh, oh, yeah. on the sa- Saturday night. Both of those were uh, Big Boss Man against Hulk in a cage. So, uh, oh, wow. And so yeah. uh, he said that he he said that was the highlight of uh, of his entire time in WWE was one of those back to backs up north. Yeah. Now let me ask you a question. You mm-hmm. you're 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 not a I don't I, whatever enhancement guy. You're not driving in. You you know you're doing house shows. You're not mm-hmm. just driving in for mm-hmm. TV. No. But you're but mm-hmm. you're not really getting uh, a, a push on TV. So is mm. there is there frustration at all? Uh, was there a thought that if I just keep going at this, that I could, uh, I could, I could get a push or was, were you just fine? This is, Hey, this is my spot. I'm making good money. Uh, I don't have to worry about being in the main events. And so I'm just going to do what I do. No, it was a little bit, everything you just said, a little bit of everything, but <laughs> mostly I'm going to hang in there. This is my dream. I'm making great money. I am getting noticed and I'm going to get, I'm noticed more than your other guys. I'm not going to mention names, but I'm, I'm getting noticed more than your other guys because I'm getting myself when it comes to individual, get your, I'm pushing myself as my, my wrestling uh, pedigree and a pat on the back, everything. So, um, no, I just kept on striving. I, you know, there's no reason I'm not going to quit. I'm not a quitter. And, uh, I knew something would happen. That rainbow would finally, you know, appear for me. And it did. It took a while, and you know what? I could have quit. They would have just got somebody else, and I would have regretted it the rest of my life. Absolutely, a thousand percent. But when you're caught up in the moment, sometimes you don't think straight. So it's a good thing you have a head on your shoulders. No. Couple of questions. Yeah. Couple of questions. Any any second thoughts about using the name, your real name, Barry Horowitz, when you went up there? Because that was the first time I believe you did. Not at all. 
Not at all. And who came up with the so many of the questions that I got asked on Twitter were about the handprint on the back and, and patting yourself on the back. Uh, you don't realize how much something gets over uh, uh, until, you know, you go to social media and ask what your memories or if you have questions for somebody. And I probably mm-hmm. half of them were about the handprint on the back. Whose idea was that? And uh, what was the thought process? The hand on the back was my idea. That was all my idea. The padding on the back happened by accident at an amateur wrestling match. I won by like two points and I patted myself on the back, you know, but it wasn't emphasized like I would at a spot show or Madison Square Garden, you know, not, not that entertaining or elaborate. And I got disqualified for that guy. I chewed out, and then it always stayed in the memory bank. And then when I got into pro wrestling, and as a heel, and then I said, oh, my God, this is awesome. I got to do this. So it worked. Yeah, Anthony on Twitter said that it really helped you, in his opinion, stand out from all the other, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. enhancement talent in WWF at the time. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing right. how it's amazing how something as small as a pat on the back and an introduction, and people remember that. So good on you. At some point, you left WWF uh, and went for mm-hmm. a year to WCW. I think that was before I was there. I might have been just coming up yeah. bringing the enhancement guys. Uh, was, yep. how, why did you leave WWF? Uh, what was prob- I got a neck injury. Uh, I had a neck injury, and I was out 11 months. Oh, just bump after bump after bump and then crazy bumps. I was taking everybody's bump. I was in the pile driver video, uh, taking the stupid brain bruster on a plexiglass ring. And, um, you know, after that, I mean, I don't care. It, it's going to wear out. And, uh, you know, basically my C5 had to be removed out of my neck. Oh my God. I'm glad that, um, I had insurance and also they did pay me, you know, they paid me sporadically and I, re- I really thought they'd hold my spot, but they got brought Black Bart in, they brought Pez Watley in, and they were all filled. And, uh, I mean, they politely answered my phone call and, and explained to me, and uh, I went to uh, WCW. Was that, a, again, was that a full-time gig, or were you just doing TVs? No, I, I didn't want to do that. I mean... I was pretty lucky with that. They offered me that, and I go, listen, I've been around a while. I don't need just to do TVs. I mean, if that's the only thing you got for me, I'm going to take it. But my perseverance, my my resume, people knowing me in the business projected me from TV to house shows, and, and uh, it just prolonged. So it worked out well for me. It's an interesting story, Barry, because as, as somebody who started out in the in WCW by and I don't even know if you know this about me by bringing up uh, five enhancement guys every week that pay me twenty five dollars each from the state of Florida. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, well, yeah, because uh, Bob Roop, who was my uh, who I got work under after Malenko, Bob Roop took me under his ring. Uh, wing. Wow. And then Bob went up to be an agent for Ollie Anderson. He introduced me to Jody Hamilton, yes. who was booking yep. the enhancement talent. What I didn't realize mm-hmm. at the time, I and I remember that. I've said a million times on this show and on mm-hmm. other podcasts, uh, what I didn't realize at the time is instead of Jody having to book 25 individual guys, he had yeah. he had Rip Rogers book five or six. He had uh, Italian Stallion yeah. and George South book a few. Yep. Yep. Chick Donovan sure. or Mike Jackson booked a few, and he needed somebody Jackson, in Florida. Yeah. So so in Florida, it became me. And um, and and it's funny because, know you know, you, you might not have been 
you know, setting the world on fire in the main events. But so many of the guys that I w- that I used to bring up, you know, Justin just did TV and were thrilled to death to do mm-hmm. TV and use that TV to lo- to do mm-hmm. indies, you know, where they would be in the main mm-hmm. event because they were just in mm-hmm. the ring with Barry Windham or 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 yeah. Rick, you know. So you were sort of yeah. in that middle position, sort of in that mid card spot. Yeah. Uh, did you yeah. did you ever appreciate that? Do you ever look at those Heck guys? Yeah. Do you ever look at and and I love Bob Cook and Bob Cook is one of my favorite people. But did you ever look at a guy like Bob Cook and say, man, you know Bob's a great talent. Uh, you know I'm so glad that that I'm at least uh, you know doing house shows and making a full time living and 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 you know not in the spot like Bob or somebody like that. Yeah, I've always looked at that. I've always looked at that. I go, if if let's just say I, I, I'm sitting myself down and I go, okay, I, and I'm going to bitch about something and I'm going to go, wait a minute. I could be working once a month or just flying in for TV or have no, 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 uh, oh, this is what I wanted to do, my long range goal in life and um, my dream. I'm grateful for what I've had. I'm grateful for everything. I mean, you know, uh, at first I thought it was just me, but then I hear the fans, I hear people like you, I hear other people that are out of the business and what, and praising me and so forth. And it doesn't go to my head. It just, it's more appreciation that I did make a mark in this business, in my opinion. I mean, oh, absolutely. I think, I think if you mention my name to anybody and they don't know who I am, they're, they don't know wrestling or they're green or they're lost. I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's like, it's like, me, it's like somebody coming up to me and going, "Do you know Mike Graham or Jack Briscoe or Bob Backer?" I mean, what? Of course I do. Yeah. You know, of that nature. I'm well, not saying I was in their status or their spot. Sure. But um, you know, but I remember Bob Backlund in Florida, first and second match, babyface. Yep. He went from that disappeared. I guess he went to other maybe little ones, and then all of a sudden, Vince Senior loved Bob Backlund. Loved him. Did you ever hear the story that it was between uh, uh, Bob Backlund and Steve Kern as to who was going to get that push? Absolutely not. And I hear a lot of stuff. No, Never heard that. It's a true story. Steve told me, as, as wow. said it, and Kevin wow. Sullivan, who was in the office back then. Yeah, apparently Vince said, I need a, a white meat baby face to beat uh, superstar mm-hmm. Billy Graham and go on a run. And uh, Eddie said, uh, I have Steve Kern. And I have Bob Backlund. Both will fit the bill. Both are great workers. He said the wow. best. I would recommend. Listen to this. He said I would recommend Steve because his father is legit Vietnam War. So yeah. he's a, yeah. a, an all American hero, and mm-hmm. and he has that over Bob. And I guess uh, he didn't take Eddie's advice, and he fell in love, like you said, with Bob, and brought Bob Backlund mm-hmm. in to take the spot. But uh, uh, Kern came that close to to getting that spot. And I did not know that. It would have been crazy wow. how wrestling history would have changed. I, yeah. By so, the way, yeah, Steve Kern is awesome. I mean, awesome worker, promos, everything. I know Steve a long time, and him, Brian Blair, they're all great guys, Florida guys. Yeah, and, and I think that the, the the best thing that probably anybody can say about you is that is that throughout your pretty much entire career, if if if, mm-hmm. if they wanted somebody to look good on TV and have a good competitive match mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. to entice them to come to the arenas and see, you know, if you uh, to see them wrestle uh, for a title, then they put them in with mm-hmm. you. If they had a, a a green guy who they wanted to teach, mm-hmm. who they wanted to teach mm-hmm. the business to, they put them in on the house shows with you so you could teach them the ropes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, yeah. not everybody, not everybody's Hulk Hogan, nope. but 
but you know, right. you had the respect that, and you earned a decent living. Yeah. That's a great statement. Not everybody could be The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Hulk Hogan, Bob Backlund. The list goes you It just can't be. It would be boring. It's, it's, there's got to be a winner and a loser. I mean, the Patriots win, the Jets lose, the Giants lose, whatever. <laughs> there's got to be a loser. You know what I'm saying? But what I mean, it has to be. It just has to be. So you could take it or leave it. You could go, and there is guys. I'm not going to mention in the business today and past, I'm not doing this or I'm not putting this over. I'm not. So, so what do you do? You go home, you stood your ground and they'll replace you. And if you're really, really worried about your win loss record, okay, tough guy. Well, join up with the UFC and talk to Dana White and get your ass beat and stretched in about 30 seconds. Exactly. Exactly. As long as the check Mm -hmm. clears. Hey, you did Mm -hmm. get an opportunity to go to the global wrestling federation in Dallas Mm -hmm. and you did have Mm -hmm. uh, success for winning the title. yeah. Was 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 there any kind of satisfaction at that point uh, of of being in a top spot, or was it just the same situation where you know as long as the check clears, I don't really care. No, no, I was noticed and uh, I liked it and paid attention to me and I didn't ask for anything. They came to me and treated me well and I didn't expect that much. I mean, I was just doing independence all over the place, including uh, WWF TV and so forth. And, uh, no, it was just another chapter in my life to conquer. I've always wanted to go to world-class or go to Texas or be in that iconic Dallas sportatorium. And I fulfilled that. So it was cool. Met other people, met other uh, wrestlers and stuff. So it was just another part of the journey. Yeah. And it'd be interesting to see about if, how different your career would be if there were territories, if the territory system kept going, because that's that's the whole that's the whole thing is you got to develop different personas in different sure. territories. Sure. You know, a guy yeah. like a guy like Fidel Sierra, who we, we both know very well, you know, not a lot of people know that he was had oh, yeah. a, a run in Portland as a top baby face and heel oh, as the yeah. top as the top gun under a hood. It doesn't matter if you're wearing a hood and using oh. your, or using your real name with a pat on the back. You know, uh, yep. you get a chance exactly. to be in that position. But that was only, had a hell of a run that was only really in the territory days there's a kid mm-hmm. named falaba last i knew he was in impact wrestling i don't know if he's still there and uh he's a uh shorter mongolian looking guy he does a mongolian uh-huh. gimmick uh heavy but i mean <laughs> the, the kid can won't blow up he'll run the ropes for 20 minutes and won't blow up and he has he sort of got a mid-card comedy push but my nickname mm-hmm. for him my nickname for mm-hmm. him was Territory because he'd be a star <laughs> in Memphis. He could they would have put him mm-hmm. out there as Tojo oh, sure. Tojo Yamamoto's kid. Yamamoto. And he'd have main evented <laughs> he'd have main evented Memphis for twenty years if he wanted to. So uh, you know, it's just it's a different world and you gotta take what you, you know, can get. You know what's funny? You just brought that up. The person who made the Mongolian thing was in Florida, the Mongolian Stomper. Archie Gouldy. Yes. Phenomenal the way he did his gimmick and it was it was believable. That and Pac Song when I was a kid scared the hell out of me and Buddy Colt. Pac's, I thought these guys were the real deal. Pac Song had the biggest ankles of any human being I've ever seen in my life. Who? Pac Song 
had the biggest oh, ankles. How about the head? And how the about head. the 10-gallon head? A huge head, yeah. huge huge hands, and the biggest oh ankles God. I've ever seen. I just, I don't know. I'm not a guy like that. I'm not like a foot guy, you know. Really, I'm not. <laughs> but but I just remember as a kid watching, like, seeing right. him in the ring and seeing those ankles. And then it, it just, it, I, I don't know, for some reason that, that I can't get that out of my mind. But so you went back. I never. Go ahead. Yep. Oh, yeah, I remember Gordon Soley. I'll never forget. I forgot who it was. It was somebody, a uh, star, and I'll never forget, you know, how Gordon emphasizes words, and a Mongolian stomper is stomping away and just emphasized it, and, and the guy was getting color on TV and so forth, and he's stomping his head and and the size of him. And then Pac Song, I'll never forget this. I mean, he's against Jola Duke on TV and nobody puts Jola Duke down and they're hitting the ropes and Pac Song hits him with that big hand, opens him up. And I'll never forget Gordon Soley, like almost jumping out of his seat. Oh my God. The freight train has been just derailed. Love me some Jola Duke. Duke, the freight train, right? The Canadian freight train. Love me the some Canadian Jola, freight Duke. Train, Jola Duke. What a heel he was, that. huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's great baby face, but then yeah. turned heel and they had him. Yeah, he was uh, had a brief stint, him and Outback Jack in the WWF. Yeah, I think they called him the, ooh, the something, the killer, the. the... I oh, yeah, yeah. yeah the stranglers. I something, forgot, but you are right. Yeah, like they that. did change. Oh, yeah. I think it yeah. was the butcher. You're right. Excellent. How do I pull that out of my ass? I don't I can't know even remember. I can't awesome. even remember what I was doing to look up your your your. I can't even remember the word. I still can't remember the word. I'm still trying to think of it. And as I'm That's conducting right. this this discussion with you, but um, but yeah, you want know, one of the you know cool things about being involved in that championship wrestling in Florida from FanFest. Uh, FanFest mm-hmm. is being able to mm-hmm. bring down these guys who I watched as a kid and, and, and hear them tell yeah. their stories. One of the disappointing things is, God, how yep. much would I love to have brought a guy like Joe LaDuke down to sit there and tell stories and, and, and oh, you know, yeah. Joe LaDuke, a killer Carl Cox, uh, uh, you know, even a Mike Graham, oh, God my. bless him, you know. Uh, Danny Hodge, Matsuda. That's a little bit before my time. Um, okay, but uh, how about Cyclone Negro? Cyclone Negro is is, is a good one, but uh, I'm more yeah. of a uh, I'm more of a you know you know Mike Graham. Uh, sure, you know Jack Briscoe. Jack Briscoe. Well, we Jack have Briscoe. we have yeah Jack Briscoe. You know, and yeah. so, as as satisfying as it is that we can bring so many people back to share their stories and time and, sure. and talk to people, it's just it's kind of depressing that I think if I had one other than Terry Funk who. Uh, mm-hmm. A is out of our price range, and B is not doing any uh, shows recently. Um, yeah. Other than him, I think mm-hmm. my uh, my my all time get uh, my all time. If I could pick one person, would uh, live or dead would be Joe LaDuke. I just love Joe LaDuke. Yeah. Before. How about Dory Funk Jr.? He's he's been there. He's been there. Okay. I'm yeah, actually, I like Dory. I'm actually doing a, a show uh, uh, with, for Dory um, August fourth, I believe, up in Ocala. I'll be these. Wow. I'll be ring announcing. Look at you getting all these bookings. <laughs> putting, I get no bookings, but, uh, but yeah, every once, <laughs> you know, every once in a while, you know, as often as, uh, as often as there's a full moon, I get a booking or two. Hey, um, cool. you went back to WWF and eventually mm-hmm. got a push. Uh, how, mm-hmm. how did that happen? Whose idea was it? Do you even know? I think what happened was I was working on some house shows with Chris. AKA Skip, and um, 
it was it got back to the office. I think Blackjack Lanza, he was one of the agents. Hey, this match is pretty interesting. And then Pat Patterson, I remember coming into a, a building, sat me down in uh, catering. We were just, you know, sitting there. To, everybody was done, and we're sitting there talking business. He says, we're going to try this idea with you. We don't know how long it's going to last, but we're going to try it. I thought it was a rib, but I went along with it. Because sure. a good pro, you don't ruin the rib. Just go with it, no matter what. What's, what's going to happen? Uh, and it... It happened, and um, it prolonged pretty cool because I was captain of my team of Survivor Series. I was at WrestleMania. I was at everyone. The the um, the in your house matches, Royal Rumble, King of the Ring, uh, in Anaheim. I was on the celebrity softball team against the Hollywood stars. I mean, I was involved in everything, and it was really really cool. And I was at every main building, Madison Square Garden, all of these places, and uh, and then team me up with Hakushi, and I mean, they, they did a commercial for Karate Fighters, I think it was by Hasbro, and uh, yeah, it was treated well. I mean, I mean, they went all out. It was pretty cool. I was going to ask you if you ever did a WrestleMania. Uh, that must have been cool. Tell me about that. That's, uh, that's the I did, one, one thing I never I got think to I did. A, yeah, I think I did a dark match. Uh, for WrestleMania, but I had, you know, you're under contract, you got to be there. But I participated in all the things, the, the, anything celebrity or the meet and greets or, or going place, you know, you're all involved in that. You're, you know, because they always had that, you just always with something. For instance, I was under contract, and when I went to Boston Gardens for Survivor Series, I wasn't, I was there, you're getting paid, you're there, you're under contract, everybody's got to be there. It just so happens, I mean, that day, hey, we need to shave off your beard. You're going to be the Red Knight tonight. It's going to be you and Shawn Michaels and his knights. He's taking Jerry Lawler's place against the Hart family. You're in the main event. Uh, Ray Combs is going to be the special guest uh, ring announcer. You're the main event at Boston Gardens. I mean, what? And why? Because Terry Funk calls and says, I'm not coming. My horse is sick. I never knew that that was that that you got that opportunity. Yep. That's absolutely. So cool. I'm taking Terry Funk's place. <laughs> How flattered am I? I'm going. Wow, I, we kind of match each other. I mean, I'm not crazy and hardcore, but you know, before he was that, he was a technical wrestler when he was the NWA champion. Yes, sir. And looked it. Yes, sir. And he's tough as nails. Yes, sir. He is. God bless him. Mm -hmm. So around that yeah. time, they put a Jewish star on your tights and had you come out to yep. Hava Nagila. Was there any thought process about building a, a, a Jewish baby face or was it just uh, something to make you stand I, out more? I think a little bit of both. I think a little bit of both. And, you know, the original trunks were blue with stars on each side of me. And who made this? This is what I'm talking about. Guys in the back. You know, it's not just Vince, it's it's who you surround yourself with that makes a great team. And sure enough, Chief J. Strongbow says, uh-uh, you're emphasizing the stars too much. We're not making a mockery out of being Jewish. You put one simple star on your left hip, and that's all you need. Otherwise, it's overkill. Great point, and I'm glad we changed it. He had the, um, the seamstress change it instantly. Wow, and it was it was better that way. I'm glad he recognized that, and you know, he was looking out for me. Now I don't remember this, but it does say that you did a uh, like a nerd gimmick around that time where you well, had yeah, they, it was their idea again. Wasn't into that. That's not me, but I'm a pro, 
And I go with it. And it was just basically, you know, I, I mean, my hair was long. I had the mullet and so forth, but just the button-up shirt and the pocket protector. And I don't know if that was a rib or not, but if you're testing me, I'm going to win because unless it's illegal, I'm doing anything you want to do. I'm getting exposure. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, um, I'm in, um, certain matches, title matches and, and what not. I'm on, I'm on certain things on the raw roster and, uh, so, yeah, superstars and all our other shows. So, yeah, I'm going for it. So you're not going to win that test. I'll win. It might have been a test. The, the, knowing now what I what, Who cares? What, no, who cares? Exactly. Heck, they tested Terry Taylor. He passed with flying colors, too. Absolutely. Are you talking about the Red Rooster? Yeah. Yes. And don't think they don't test Kurt Angle. He's a true pro. I like Kurt Angle a lot. Never met him, but I'm a fan of his. Just because, well, number one, <laughs> the man's an Olympic gold medalist. You can't go. You're not NCAA AAU champion. You're the gold medalist. You're American, and you win this this trophy, this this gold medal with a broken neck. You adapt to the pro ranks like a seasoned veteran. Your promos, your look, everything. You you've overcome demons, and you're a pro. And and you'll do whatever they want. And I respect that. And you made a ton of money doing that. A ton. Yep. He's a good guy. Uh, got to work with yeah. him in TNA. And you're right. They mm -hmm. did. They tested him, too. They did the got me, sure uh, they the, did. the milk gimmick and the milk truck and all that stuff. I'm sure that wasn't it wouldn't sure. have been his first choice, but he pulled it off. No. And if you could pull uh -huh. that stuff off, I think it, I, I think I don't know because I've never met the guy. But I think that it uh, it, it, it gains Vince's trust in, in that you can, if you could pull yep. a goofy thing off, you mm -hmm. can pull anything off. That's right. That's right. So. You left in around 97. I'm assuming that they were budget mm -hmm. cuts based on the Monday Night Wars that at the time WWE was losing. Am I assuming right mm -hmm. this time? Yeah, I think so. My run was over. And, uh, yeah, I was told politely my run was over. I think Bruce Pritchard mentioned it. And, um, of course, I asked and so forth. I think I may have talked to JJ and Pat probably Vince and everything. So, uh, yeah, but I got on, uh, I got on with WCW pretty cool and quick. And, um, that would have been awesome too. I was just as Vince bought WCW, I was ready to work a program with Alan Funk Yep, and it all just crumbled. Yeah. We'll get to that. Cause that was, uh, when Jimmy Hart and me and Tony Schiavone mm -hmm. and, uh, Art yep. Anderson got to book Saturday night. And, uh, yeah. we, we, we got to use some of the guys that, uh, that weren't being used mm -hmm. to what we thought our, our the full potential but, is. By the way, Arn Anderson, he hell of a wrestler, hell of a promo man, and just hell of a person and athlete, period. I've always got along with him. He's always treated me professional. Yeah, he's a great guy and uh, a good friend, good friend of mine. And we're trying to get mm -hmm. him on the podcast. He has a non-compete with WWE. And then, right. he, then he's starting his own podcast with uh, Colin uh, um, uh, uh, Conrad. Uh, who does uh, cool. who does uh, Bruce Pritchard's podcast and Derek Bischoff's podcast and Jim Ross's new podcast? So we're going to he, he said at some point he's going to come on because because uh, uh, mm -hmm. you know if we go back. But yeah, you're right, and he's one of the funniest guys in the world too. He's a yeah, he's hilarious. He's the kind of guy that could be like shredding you to pieces verbally, and you're laughing harder than anybody else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. It's happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> so. So uh, w when you left WWE, 
It was right, mm-hmm. like I said, it was right around the time that WCW sort of took the upper hand in the Monday Night Wars. Do you remember? The, was there any kind of panic or concern in the locker room or the office, or was it just no. business as usual? Yeah, business as usual. A lot of guys kayfabing and not talking about it or amongst themselves or in the car or what have you. But uh, not that I could recall. Mm-mm. So WCW came in and, uh, mm-hmm. again, you know, kind of the same spot without the, the Hava Nagila. Uh, and then, yep. like we said, uh, you got uh, doing something with uh, uh, mixing you in with Cuban Assassin, who was feuding at the time with, uh, mm-hmm. with Hacksaw Jim Duggan over the TV title mm-hmm. that, that they had thrown yep. in the trash on Thunder. And we used it as our main belt. And, uh, and, and Alan Funk... Uh, uh, mm-hmm. So that had to be a little bit frustrating when that went away. And the reason, I don't even know if you know this, but the reason, and I'm not tuning my own horn, I was I got, got an opportunity to be a junior member of a, a very smart group of wrestling people, Tony Schiavone, Arn Anderson, and Jimmy Hart, who all know more about wrestling in their little finger than I did at the time and probably still do in my whole body. But mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But they let me come along for the ride. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. they weren't. WCW wasn't doing anything with WCW. They had five hours of television they had to fill other than WCW Saturday night. And by mm-hmm. that time, it was an afterthought because that was just a, a, a TBS uh, show as opposed to TNT. And and, uh, mm-hmm. and and so they let us. They, so Jimmy said, hey, you know, could we could we come up with some ideas and book it? And Eric said, sure. And I don't know if you know this, but the reason they canceled the show and made it into a magazine show even before WCW took over is we started, mm-hmm. it had a 1.8 average rating. By the time mm-hmm. we were done, it had a 2.4 mm-hmm. average rating. Thunder had a 2.5 average rating. So it was right Ooh. on the heels of Thunder. And so we were we were doing with, and I'm very proud of this. I don't know if you can tell. We were doing with, <laughs> with, 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 with guys that were cast aside, giving them an opportunity opportunity mm-hmm. we were doing almost the same as thunder with all the big names on it uh you know uh that the company was paying millions of dollars to so uh mm-hmm. and as soon as we got a 2.4 jimmy said it's over i said what do you mean it's over we're doing well he goes <laughs> once we get close to thunder this is going away and two weeks later yeah it went away so yep after wcw went out of business uh i know you continued on indies for a while uh yeah. Mm-hmm. When was it that you finally transitioned to life after wrestling? Oh, God, I don't know. Maybe now it's probably been 12 years. I went to school, FSU. I went to school for sports nutrition, something to fall back on. And I pursued that. Um, uh, basically, personal training, certified nutritionist, and could teach amateur and pro wrestling. I said, well, I'm home every night. And... um that went well for a bit, and it did well. It did good, but nothing is when you're in our position. Nothing's like wrestling money. Nothing's like Hollywood. Nothing's like sports. Nothing's like that at all, and you miss it. I mean, you got to try to um, go li- go without life without that. And and I did for a while, but this past year or two, just different things have happened to my life. I said, you know, that's my forte. That's my passion. Why aren't you doing it? There's people that are. Not mentioning names, there's people that can't even don't know a wrist lock from a wristwatch and can't even lace your boots, and they've got making six figures a year, and you're sitting at home? That doesn't add up. I should be there, too. Not out of jealousy or anything, and not try to be better than you. Just participate and help, help the stew get tastier, exactly. so to speak. Exactly. 
Exactly. And that's what, yeah, I'm not trying to be a superstar, but any of these companies, WWE, the AAE, uh, the AAW or uh, in Jacksonville, uh, Scott DeMore and Impact, if, if you're not, if you don't see interest in what I know, my knowledge and going up and down these roads, well, you're sadly mistaken, my friend. And if you got to even do this, this is how confident I'm myself. You give me a tryout. You bring me in. You do this. You do that. And then you're going to do what other people do. And I'm not going to say everybody does, but true businessmen do. They go, oh, I didn't know you knew this, or I didn't know you could do this, or I didn't. And I'm going, I'm constantly proving myself in this business, constantly. Always had to do that. And guess what? You're not knocking me down. I will keep on going. I will keep on. You knock me down. I'll get back up, and I'll keep on going. Uh, I could envision you in the Performance Center in Orlando for sure. Oh, easily. I mean, I, I, it would just be, it would be, and I basically get off on that. I mean, that's my passion, and it would be, it would be just second nature. And all would it be is the conglomeration of traveling, all the guys I know, idolize, and the teaching of the great Boris Malenko. Well, the one thing about you, and I'm not saying this to kiss your ass because you're on my podcast, but it's true. A, you're an a, you're a nice guy, no ego for the most part. I mean, everybody has an mm -hmm. ego, but no ego yeah, that's going to cause problems. Uh, you're no. de you're dependable. If you say you're going to be there at one, you're there at twelve fifteen. Uh, yep. You know, you're you'll stay for the whole show and ask what I could do if I could do anything else. And you know, so there's you're you're reliable yeah. as hell. You know, I, I don't know that you. What do I got to do? If you ever yeah, what do I got to do to get to – I got to wreck a bar or something or cause a problem? <laughs> I don't do that. That's not me. I don't have an $800 bar tab. I'm not going to be there at the Radisson at 4 in the morning wrecking it and giving people DDTs on tables. I'm not doing it. I might be there at the bar at 3, but I'm not giving DDTs on tables. <laughs> <laughs> hey, before I let you go, let me get to a couple uh, other um, uh, fan questions from Twitter. Uh, John Church. Sure. Wanted to know who was your favorite wrestler or wrestlers growing up. You touched on it a little bit, but did you have a oh, favorite wow. that you look back? God, I mean, I got a couple favorites, but that's really hard. I mean, my my, I'm going to say Jack Briscoe, Mike Graham, Bob Orton Jr., and um, I don't want to. I don't want to. Oh, Don Morocco. Uh, this is my. You can't get much better than that, man. No, especially Morocco and Orton Jr. Innovators, wrestling heels, promos. Their work was slow, deliberate, fast, uh, high spots, drop kicks, you name it. Both could do. And believe, and they, you know, you're a convincing heel like this dude means business. This, move, this dude is a, a real pro. He's just not poking eyes and clotheslining. He's doing technical moves, plus he's a heel. He's doing it all. Absolutely. So I respect that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Adam Elmayan uh, wanted to know any thoughts of being in the WWE Hall of Fame down the road? I would love to. I mean, if they, you know, and I'm not, like you said, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or put myself over or toot my own horn, but I get asked that on these podcasts and even my hometown or, or just what have you, friends, this. And you know what? Simple answer. And I say it like this I go, I don't know. Ask Vince. <laughs> the only thing I can say that it was announced last Thursday on Facebook, which I was called, that I am inducted into the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame next year, class of 2020. Oh, good for you. Yeah, I mean, there is... The, 
the, thank you. The main one came out of New York, Amsterdam. It moved to Texas. Second would be WWE. And the third, which I didn't know, I've heard hearsay, is the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. And, you know, I mean, I'm glad they recognized me, and uh, it's an honor, and uh, it's pretty cool. But, yeah. yes, and I really think, I mean, I've talked about this many times. I, I really think I do belong in a WWE Hall of Fame of, of what I did in my, in my, my goals, what I did. I, you don't always have to be uh, Hulk Hogan or, or Undertaker and nothing against them. I mean, they've made a lot of money and opened up um, new avenues in the, in the wrestling business. But we all contribute. Sure. We're all on that card together. Supposedly supposed to be a team. Absolutely. So... I mean, I I was loyal to Vince for over 20 years. I mean, one of the few that you could say, excuse me, I worked for Vince Sr. Well, God, how old are you? And if you look at me, you're, you think I'm BSing you, and I'm not. I worked for Vince Sr. I worked for Vince Jr. I worked for him when he was a millionaire. I'd like to work for him now when he's a billionaire. <laughs> uh, you really look great, man. It pisses me off <laughs> <laughs> to no end. I love pissing you off, David. Uh, I know, I know. In addition to the New England Hall of Fame, I'm sure if I was a betting man in the next year or two, I'm sure you'll be honored by the Cauliflower Alley Club in their uh, their uh, uh, convention out in Las Vegas every year. So that's always an I, honor as well. Have, have, oh, yeah. I, well, go ahead. He, Brian Blair is the guy, is the president of the Cauliflower Alley Club, and, and I know that uh, Brian thinks the world of you, so... Um, I'm sure yeah. that I'm sure that uh, that that will be a, a great honor. Hey, I was inducted. Cool. I was inducted into the Florida Legends Lunch, and to me, that was my Hall of Fame. So cool. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. They they yeah. have, they have a Legends Lunch, and uh, I'm on. Hey, I'm on the same uh, freaking plaque with uh, with Terry Funk, Dory Funk Jr., Gordon Soley, and I don't belong there, but um, wow. But, but it was an honor to. That's to, a big honor. Yeah, there's about. I mean, go ahead. No, there's about 50 names on there now because they do it oh, yeah. four times a year. Jeez. Well, when I think of ring announcers, and I'm being honest with you, I think of yourself. I think of Chet Tharp. I think of Howard Finkel. Jeez. Uh, uh, Gary Capetta? Uh, somebody's escaping. I'm sorry? Gary Capetta? Gary, thank you. Gary Capetta. Yes. That's who I think. That's my mainstay as far as now there's, there, there was some others. Uh, I think there was a Mike Moore in Florida, right? He was pretty cool too. And then, um, uh, there was some special guest ref, but the mainstay ones, you know, Howard Finkel, yourself, Gary Capetta. And I think that's about it. Um, yeah, it's a pretty cool idea with with the girls announcing, uh, ring announcing. I think what you call it did it. Um, Mike McGurk. Mike McGurk. She did a that's pretty right. good job. Yeah, she's yeah, she, she did a pretty good job. She's a sweetheart too. Uh, always so yeah, yeah. Uh, way more respectful to me than I deserved. Quite not that I was I treated her badly, but uh, uh, she was an mm -hmm. innovator in 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 the business as the first yeah. female ring announcer, and she treated me yep. way better than I deserved to be treated. And I yeah. uh, and I really really appreciated that because to me she was a I got along. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. And um, she treated me good. And Howard Finkel is uh, is my all time favorite. Oh god. Uh, you know, oh my, God. my favorite thing on the whole Madison Square Garden cards on the whole Madison Square Garden network was when Howard would announce the matches yep. for the next month at, at Madison Square Garden. And, uh, oh, yeah, just always, always made no matter what the main event was, whether it was Hulk versus Andre or Hulk versus yep. uh, Samoa number one. Uh, you know, he made, he mm -hmm. made you excited to see it. And, 
mm-hmm. unfortunately, he's not doing too well these days. So my I know. Prayers I was to, just going to wish him yeah. a get well. Yeah, me, a me, big get well for Howard Finkel. Me, he deserves it. He's been loyal to Vince for over 30 years. Absolutely, absolutely. And I got the honor of meeting him a few times and have a couple pictures with him. So uh, best wishes to him. Hey, um, I know you're out and yeah. about now doing appearances. Uh, where could people find you if they want to book you? Yeah, basically, um, I want to shout out to all promoters. Like you, you mentioned, uh, some I didn't even like the Ronnie Gossett and yeah. Dory Funk Jr. And um, I've been pursuing Scott Demore, but the man is very busy. Uh, I know he wants to talk to me. But, no, he does. Uh, He'll get back him. to you. He'll get back to you because I gave. Okay. I gave. I, ca- I, gave I called you him a number. couple times and. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. And uh, if you check out my Facebook page, I'm doing a lot of meet and greets, especially in the Northeast. Uh, we just, I just did one for David and, and Associates uh, to, a week or two ago in Lutz, Florida, which was a success and phenomenal. And uh, that's where I'm at. I'm at also BarryHorowitz.com, uh, WWE.com, MrTechnical.info. And... Um, that's that's ma- mostly what I'm doing, but what my main goal, like everything else, I have a long range goal. First, it was wrestling and so forth, but now I have a, a I'm on a on a I'm on a mission, a vendetta. I'm on a this big goal is to mentor, is to teach in pro wrestling, just how I was taught, and get, contribute the you know the right way. That's you know. Uh, nothing against anybody else, but you can't be trained in three or four months properly. You no, just absolutely. can't be. Absolutely not. You hey, know, by the it's way, it's not going to happen. By the way, you had asked about Scott Demore, and and I, I I told you that I just wanted to make sure now that not that I thought it was a problem. So I'm reading uh, Saturday, June fifteenth, uh, which was the day of our fan fest. To Scott Demore, text mm-hmm. okay to give Barry Harwich your number. I'm sure it's not a problem. Just wanted to make sure. And his response uh-huh. was his response was quote. Barry is golden in my book, unquote. Wow. Yeah, Scott's always treated me. I went for him. I remember flying into Detroit, drive me to Windsor. And my last show with him, if I'm not mistaken, I was a six-man with Rhino, King Kong Bundy. And Scott, he's just a gentleman. He, he brings you to a nice place to eat, nice hotel. He's just very professional with, uh, with money and so forth and just always treated me good. And I think I know Scott also before that. If I'm not mistaken, he used to come up for enhancement with Vince yeah, back he, in the day. I used, right? to, I used to book him, and then his guys would give me, instead of $25, they'd give him 15 <laughs> and they'd give me 10 <laughs> So at one point, oh at okay. one point, I was getting twenty five from four, four or five guys, and then ten from a bunch of guys. And but uh, I, I was very much happier uh, getting that salary as a ring announcer and being able to go on the road. Uh, it wasn't fun. Hey. To, wasn't fun asking the guys for money, but that was just the way it worked back then. Like I That's said, the, the, guy, the guys expected it. It wasn't like you know I was really apprehensive, saying, "Hey, you know, Jody says that this is the way it's done," and I feel really stupid. And they were like. No, I, I know I have to give you 25 bucks, and you're covering the vehicle, right? And I said, yeah, mm-hmm. is going to pay my rental van uh, and mm-hmm. my gas. And they said, well, as long as you're paying for the uh, the rental, we're happy throwing in our fair share. So so it was great. Um, so, so people can find you on Facebook, I'm assuming? Yes, exactly. Yep. You're not, on, Facebook page you're is... not on Twitter. What's that? You're not on Twitter. No, what, I'm not. What's the Facebook gimmick? As far as what? How to how to find you? Just bad, at Barry Horowitz. Oh yeah, you just go to. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you just go to. Um, I think you just go to Barry Horowitz, or it's or it's off the WWE, and it it goes right to it that way. And let me ask you, my, this is my final question: 
It's good. Sure. Two, 2019 going on 2020. Any interest in having a cell phone, even a flip phone? Well, uh, that's funny. I did have a flip phone for years and it got charged more than it got used <laughs> because when they first came out, they were for emergency, this, this, and that. And I use my landline a lot. I'm at home and I don't chit chat in the car or on the road. And if I do, it's just, um, running late or something. So I really don't use it. I, I probably have to go back eventually. And, uh, it will be the new improved flip phones because like fanny packs, flip phones are coming back. Yes, sir. They are. I was just in a Verizon store two weeks ago and I got my wife a new one and they've really improved. And I, I've even seen them in some uh, recent movies and stuff. They're, they're coming. Everything comes back. Nothing goes out. Nothing goes in. Bell bottoms, platforms, mullets, everything. It doesn't matter anymore. You mean it matters my, if you're alive. You mean my <laughs> Coogie sweaters will be back in style soon? Hell yeah. <laughs> Don't get rid of them. Don't get rid of them. I love those. I bought them in Australia. Um, all right, man. Hey, like I said, you're a super guy. It's great to catch up with you the other day. And um, yeah. stay in touch awesome. with me. if When you get your flip phone and you're able to do like little texting on it, uh, I want, I want <laughs> one of the first texts I want it to be to me saying... Uh, you know, I got a phone. Yeah, I got a phone. And um, and and if <laughs> guys, if anybody wants to book Barry, I can assure you he will be there early. He will stay as late as you want. He will uh, work his butt off for you, and with a smile on his face. And uh, and 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 you, it's uh, money well spent. There's uh, there's not a lot of harder harder working guys and more uh, more reliable guys that I know in this business. And there's a lot of reliable guys, but you're just at the top of the list, man. So th- hey, thank wow, thanks. thank you for your time and. Uh, Hopefully you get to get you know either with uh, Impact Wrestling or or with uh, uh, maybe uh, WWE Performance Center. But um, that will be anybody who has a performance center. Hey, first come, first serve. I'll be there. There you go, Barry Horowitz, ladies and gentlemen. Give yourself a pat on the back. Great job, and uh, thank you. Best of luck. We'll definitely stay in touch. All right, sounds good. Fun conversation with Barry Horowitz. He's a fun guy and uh, uh, love to see him get in the a job at the Performance Center or as an agent for one of the other companies. Uh, he's, again, one of the good guys in this business. And it was as much as it pissed me off how good he looked. It was a pleasure to see him this past weekend and a pleasure to speak to him uh, on my podcast, Sitting Ringside. So uh, if you're interested in booking uh, Barry Horowitz, you could hit him up on Facebook and uh, or just be friends with him on Facebook and uh, and live life through Barry Horowitz's eyes. But want to thank him. Great job. And uh, want to thank you. A lot of it was a very busy news day. It was the day that the story on Eric and uh, and Heyman broke uh, that I had sent out a uh, tw- tweet that said, I know it's a very heavy news day, but if anybody has any questions for Barry Horowitz, hit me up in the next 24 hours. We got a lot of great questions. Couldn't get to all of them. That's to most of them, though. So I want to thank the participation. And uh, again, if you don't follow me on Twitter, uh, come join us, won't you? At David Penzer, all one word, or at Penzer Ringside is the site uh, on Twitter. So until next time, I'm David Penzer, still City Ringside. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. This is a dark to light with Frankenbeans Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Trump has done a lot 
on prescription drug place, uh, prices, right to try, and the healthcare industry as a whole. So I cannot wait to see, Frank, whoever this ends up being after this field of 27 lunatics gets narrowed down to the to the one the debates between President Trump and whoever it is, because I think it'll be a knock them out of the park. Ridiculous. There's nobody here that is it just there's just, I just don't see a candidate here that stacks up to progress. Oh, absolutely. No, 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 it's not. It's all it's all it's all regressive. There are flashes of a good idea that pop up here and there. And like I said, uh, in a couple of different places prior to today's podcast, Tracy, these debates are going to provide many more memes than memories. Dark to Light with Frank and Beans can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.